Welcome to Sivako, The Road to Avatar. I am Sean Alexander and I will be your guide to the world of Pandora and beyond. And today I have a couple of special guests with me. So uh, special guests, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I'm Patrick. I'm Taylor. Uh, we are the co-hosts of uh, two podcasts. One is uh, the Vince Vaughnathon, where we watch every single Vince Vaughn movie. And uh, the other is Why Two Kids, where we talk about some shows, movies, snacks, games, and stuff from our childhood. And uh, we're very excited to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad that you guys get to come on and uh, we get to talk about something uh, special for all of us, I imagine. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, so as I do with all my guests, I ask a few little Avatar questions. Uh, the first of which is, uh, for both of you, I want to check. Have you both seen Avatar? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so when did you first see the film? Um, I first saw it when it uh, originally came out, um, when it played in its original run. And I also want to say that I saw it in the 3D re-release, because I believe here in the States that was a separate uh, like run. But... Alas, those were the pre-letterbox days, so I can't check. But I think that I did. Um, I had a very interesting first time seeing Avatar. I saw it over about three weeks in eighth grade because we were wrapping up the school year. And my teacher thought, what movie can keep them entertained in an hour chunk forever? Um, and it was that movie. <laughs> I swear to God, like our bits and pieces that we watched it took like weeks or at least it felt like it. Um, so I watched it on a like literal like screen projection um, in my eighth grade English classroom. I'm sure that's exactly how James Cameron envisioned. Of course, yeah. To be seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure with the lights on and people reading, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't piss him off at all. No. <laughs> yeah, he's quite particular about these things, isn't he? So I can only imagine his reaction if he heard about <laughs> that. That is so funny. I didn't even think Yeah, if James Cameron ever listens to this episode, he's going to be like, you need to come watch it. Like, I I'll build you a movie theater to come watch it <laughs> in the James Cameron way. <laughs> uh, so you guys, have you got a favorite moment for for the film? So I must confess that we were going to rewatch rewatch it for this for our appearance on your show, but we were just so tempted by the IMAX re-release next week that we wanted to wait for that instead. Yeah, although there are some bits and pieces like uh in my head, I feel like I can't give you an honest answer because it was like 10 years ago. Um I'll give you one in a couple weeks, I'll get back to you. Yeah, I feel like for me, it's honestly just like the beginning moments of just like taking Pandora in, um, you know, Avatar is so, I don't want, trendsetting is the right word, revolutionary, I guess, in the world of CG, you know, and I, I don't always love incredibly CG films, but I do respect films that really just like run with it and like commit to the CG and that is a film that I was like totally transfixed with even on my shitty projector screen um of just being like holy crap like I'm literally transported into another world right now um there are so many movies that just kind of plop things in here and there and you know some things fall short and whatever and I just really like respected the commitment to Pandora um so I, I think just like yeah the the moments of letting Pandora settle in Awesome. And it's, it is interesting, obviously, with the re-release coming out, I feel like a lot of people are, like holding off on watching it again yeah. because they want to see it in in the supposed, like, the way you're meant to see it. We have, like, the like the 
four disc special edition Blu-rays. It was this crazy big set, um, which is what I thought about digging into. But I was like, no, like it's it's a movie theater movie. Let's just wait. Yeah, it's been on like our rewatch list. I mean, for years, like as long as I've known Patrick, like, yeah, we should watch this soon. We should watch this soon. And I'm honestly like glad now that we've waited because it's I mean, it's going to be awesome in IMAX. I'm so excited. I also don't know if I ever actually thought Avatar 2 was going to come out. Oh, you're you're not you're not alone there, mate. Um, it feels like everyone there's been Avatar fans who have literally counted down from like a thousand days waiting for a new one. It's gone back over a thousand days with the with delays and then right, yeah, exactly. And so I felt like I don't know, like if I watch it now, it, who knows? The next one might not even come out for seven more years or something, you know. So, um, yeah, we've just been holding off, but uh, now's the time. We were one of the like few people who would go to the movie theaters, not obviously in like lockdown they weren't open but like when movie theaters started opening up we like found this loophole in the system of like we were quite literally the only people going to the movies so it was really safe because it was just me and Patrick in the movie theater and that was like the way that we saw so many films that we had never seen on the big screen like on the big screen Harry Potter films Jurassic Park a zillion times all of those re-releases and Avatar was one I always expected to kind of come back and now it all makes sense why it didn't yeah and i feel like it's going to help build up to that hype for the new one uh which leads me on to the next question which is are you guys excited for the way of water i am i'm very excited um i just you know cg has come so much farther since avatar and it was revolutionary then so i just can't you know wait to see what it's like now yeah i feel like i just i just like big ass movies you know yeah me too just like big imax like um what's what's the dolby cinema experience dolby atmos cinema oh yeah like i just like getting blasted out by the sound and stuff and um this is just going to be one of those movies and so that like that alone makes me interested and then obviously there's like the whole like cultural conversation about it um so yeah i'm looking forward to it awesome it's so good to hear as well like obviously with the re-release and then the build-up from that into the way water as well it's kind of exciting time to sort of be getting back into it in a way yeah absolutely so this leads us nicely onto our topic which is actually we're gonna we're gonna take a big old step back in time uh, way before avatar before james cameron was dreaming of avatar and blue people in his sleep all the way back to uh the 80s to talk about one of his uh well <laughs> it's some this is the thing James Cameron doesn't have any bad films, so everyone has a different favorite James Cameron film. Right. Um, but I would say pe- some people would argue this is one of his greatest, uh, which is The Terminator. So I want to ask you guys first is, uh, where would you rank The Terminator as a James Cameron film? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I'm, I personally have a big blind spot, which is Titanic, which I know oh, is very controversial to say. Shocking. I know. I know, I know. I I figured I should watch it the way you're supposed to watch it, which is on one of those two-tape VHS sets, and I haven't gotten the ability to do it yet. Um, So with that aside, um, I can't count that one. However, Terminator, I would still say, is my favorite James Cameron movie. Um, I know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, um, I know that a lot of people um, prefer Terminator 2, T2. 
and I just I'm not I'm not on that train. I like T2. I like it just fine. But I am such a big fan of the original Terminator, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, uh, come on here and talk about it with you because I just like wanted to geek out over it for a little while. So yeah, we're talking about my favorite James Cameron movie right now. Um, I think if I had to say, I honestly probably Avatar. Like I don't know, I haven't seen it in so long, so it's hard for me to say. But I just feel like I don't know. I respect that we we talked about this on an episode where we were talking about like movie 43 which is objectively you know people say the worst movie ever i just respect people who like go the hell for it like i just you gain so much of my respect if you just like lean into something totally that people kind of like walk around and for like avatar that was cg so i just feel like i don't know i think i think that that's probably it for me yeah i i fully agree with you there i think that anytime a filmmaker actually fully commits to like doing something with film yeah that's it it could be the worst idea i've ever seen at least you tried something yeah like objectively movie 43 is horrible but at the same time like at least they just went for it like like they did not stop (laughs) yeah kudos so it's interesting as well like i feel like james cameron is one of those filmmakers that doesn't ever like hold back he is constantly like trying to push it and push his films to be quite uh, innovative or they're trying to be uh, a big spectacle and Terminator is such an interesting one because obviously he was doing this at a time he didn't have the budget to do the big blockbusters he's known for right so so he's doing like a big blockbuster on a tiny indie budget yeah I think that's one of the things that I like so much about um, this film the original Terminator is like having to be um, restricted in how they tell the story of the future and Skynet and all that kind of stuff. Like you only get like a grand total of like three minutes of the future in the original Terminator because it was probably so expensive <laughs> to, to film those parts. It was a lot easier to do the, the quote unquote modern day stuff, you know? Um, and I like, I feel almost the opposite. I I like the limitations. Like I like when they're forced to sort of take these huge ideas and and fit them into those tiny budgets. And that's one of the things I like the most about this movie is like they there's nothing that they don't hit on. There's nothing that they don't pull off while like clearly being limited by like their resources. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting way to look at it. It almost reminds me of like the whole Jaws situation of there just isn't the budget to show the shark and the fact that Jaws, the shark was broken the whole time. Yeah, um, so it's funny yeah. you say this because I just saw Jaws, well, we just saw Jaws in theaters yesterday, last <laughs> night, as we were recording this. Um, I had seen Jaws as like a kid. I remember my mom asking me like what felt like a hundred different times. Have you ever seen Jaws? Let's go ahead and sit down and watch Jaws. It's on TV. And just seeing like bits and pieces of it here and there. And I remember like not really liking it that much. Oh my God. When I tell you Jaws is like in my top 20 now, like it is so good. (laughs) I was like transfixed. I was terrified. Like I was just hooked with Jaws yesterday. So anyways, just showing, just showing a little newfound Jaws love. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't, I can't disagree. I went to see Jaws 3D uh, a couple of nights ago, actually, as well. Uh, 3D? Yeah, we yeah, didn't, we didn't have, a, like I said, we're traveling right now, so we didn't have the 3D uh, <gasps> opportunity. 3D opportunity? Yes, I oh know. Oh my gosh. And it's, 
interesting because obviously Jaws is never designed to be a 3D movie, no. but it kind of works. Um, and I got the Avatar remaster and the Way of Water trailer in 3D before the film, which is nice. Oh wow, um, oh, that is cool. Yeah, and I, I love, I love this idea of like low budget, sort of almost virgin on horror films that we kind of get with Jaws and Terminator because there is this sort of like menace of like what looms in Jaws it's the shark in Terminator it's the future and Skynet and I feel like uh, it kind of works out to be to compare the two films to be like oh yeah like this is how two of the biggest filmmakers like blockbuster filmmakers started on these lower budgets I also think it's just like a storytelling technique that you kind of fall into when you have no money, but is really effective, which is limiting the amount that you can do the crazy stuff, whether that's um, some of the crazy T-1000 stuff in Terminator or showing the shark um, in Jaws or how much do you actually see Godzilla in, in some of the best Godzilla films, you know, like um, it's it's making that like menace or whatever you want what you know whatever that that interesting object it makes it so much more interesting because you're limited by um like how much you um you actually get to see like the scene in in this film when he's um messing with his eye he's like replacing I his eye I did not watch this <laughs> and, and you get and, and you get the robot eye for the first time like that's really not that big of a deal but it is like one of like the the more interesting parts of that character because it's like one of the first times that you go like, Oh my God, he is a robot. He doesn't care about eyes. Those don't matter to him. You know, like this is all prosthetics for the, for the, for the machine and stuff. Um, that is really just a, a, a one minute bit with some pretty simple makeup stuff. Um, but it's like one of the more memorable parts of the movie. Yeah. Is there like, for you, is that like one of the most standout moments that you always think of immediately with Terminator? Gosh, I, I love this movie so much. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Um, I have a huge list. I, hmm, I would say that's up there. I would say that's up there. I think just like one of the best parts about like having Arnold play that part is he's because he's such a huge guy and he's got the interesting accent. He just seems like this otherworldly thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. He's this, this bodybuilder that doesn't talk the way that we talk. You know, he's, he seems like he's sort of this out of this world thing. And so like, I just like, I love a lot of the parts where um, like he's talking and like, he's interacting with, with people. Um, I love the the moment where he, he starts going through the phone book and he's killing all the Sarah Connors, you know. Um, uh, there's a a, a a very famous line that I'll, I won't say right now that he repeats back to somebody. Um, like anytime he's like reacting with the humans, I think I, I just love that fish out of water stuff. I think for me, the thing that just comes comes front of mind is his butt. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, this was actually, this was my first time seeing Terminator. Um, I, I knew that Patrick really loved this movie. It was just something that I didn't watch as a kid. Um, and I had not on my own will gone and watched it. So I was really excited to be filling in this gap in like my film resume. Um, and I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I, I do think like definitely the, the killing of the Sarah Connors and just like going through the phone book is so iconic. But I also think that I just love 
um, like, I, I don't know. Am I allowed to like spoil, like jump ahead? I don't know. Oh, sure. Want to go for it. Um, I just feel like the last moments of like trying to kill the machine are like so freaking cool. Like the fact that it keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back is so haunting. Um, and it's just like, it's, I mean, it's so badass. I, I oh. ate that up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like those sort of final scenes, like the final battle, you could say, in the factory. And it's just taking, it's getting like, it's really taken a lot of blows and it's still coming after her. It's really impressive. And it's not until like she gets it like stuck in the, the compressor, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm going to be kind of like a lame, like horror movie person here for a second. I'm not a huge like Michael Myers, like traditional monster, like Halloween person. And so when I am watching those movies, sometimes I'm like, he's literally been stabbed 10 times. Like, I don't care. Like, why is he not dead? And it's like, oh, well, because he's not like, because he's otherworldly. And it's like, first of all, I don't care. Like, I'm, I have not been convinced on that. It's not cryptic enough for me. But because these are robots, that shit was so scary of just like, no, like, all bets are off. You don't know how many things this machine can do because it is a literal machine. Um, and I thought there was just something so, so haunting about that. I think as well, when you think of it as uh, with Terminator, because it's such a physical uh, machine, like you see the the machinery in it, and I think that's where we come, you know, come back to the, the bit where he's pulling out the eye. You can see a physical tangible, like how powerful it is, and I think it's maybe lost a little bit in T two because of obviously uh, the T 1000s like got that liquid form, so it doesn't have almost like the same physical presence. Uh, obviously they aim for something a little bit different but yeah the, the whole presence of Arnie as a like <laughs> man mountain is just something else and it, it does honestly make it that more terrifying and I think Halloween's such an interesting one to compare it to because it's such an obvious influence on the film as well yeah I think that like Arnold is at his best when he's being like a a total weirdo like when he's doing Conan the Barbarian or when when he's being the T-100, you know, like I think that that's, I think it's kind of foolish of us <laughs> to be like, oh yeah, Arnold is a real person. Let's put him in Jingle All the Way where yeah, he's I just was, a dad. I was literally just about to say Jingle All the Way. So I, I think the Jingle All the Way might have been my first Schwarzenegger movie. I don't think I've seen any others. Um, we watched it last Christmas and this was one of Patrick's favorite uh, Christmas movies as a kid so he has like this level of nostalgia attached to it I was obviously coming at it from just like an outsider and I was just like so unsold I was just like what I was like this is just like a subpar movie with a weird ass protagonist like I'm why what about this hometown man is believable <laughs> um so I do think he really just like totally took advantage of this opportunity and nailed it it's yeah, so interesting about, to like, think that he was like originally supposed to play the other part. Yeah, like, like how why? does that work? Why? <laughs> why? Like in Who my mind, I play just, opposite like, him I... as a robot. <laughs> yeah, well, because th- I'm sure you guys have heard who was meant to play the Terminator before Arnie, right? There's a whole list. There's like a dozen guys that are on the list. Before <laughs> well, I mean, him. the the most awkward one is OJ Simpson, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is like. If you compare that, it's an entirely different film. Yeah, think about the movie where O.J. Simpson is the Terminator. Yeah. 
and and Arnold is is Kyle. But then if Arnold's protecting you, I'm not worried. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, cool, exactly. Good. I would be like, okay. <laughs> you know what? That kind of brings us nicely on to talk about uh, Michael Bean and his role in it. And it's, he's like such a odd character in this because he is like the most panicked man I've ever seen in my life. Like yeah. he comes back, he's so frantic. There's no calmness about him. He's like, no, this is it. This is we're just gonna keep running. And I kind of love that that he come. He's not coming in with this like calm attitude, which you'd kind of hope someone looking to protect you would be. Uh, he's just coming in and be like, nope, nope, this is not good. Let's get out of here. <laughs> he gets like he gets saddled with having to give all of the exposition in the movie. I mean, like you know, largely because. Um, like, Arnold can barely talk. Well, that, um, but the the budgetary restrictions, you know, like they can't, they have to do a lot of tell, don't show, you know. And so there were like three different moments where he like sits her down and he, he just like explains what's going on. And yeah, he has that energy. That like somehow he pulls it off. Like it's not a lot of times when movies have to like stop and tell you what's happening, it's painful. Um, but he he does a good job and uh, and pulls it off when you're working. <laughs> with someone like Linda Hamilton. She makes it very easy, though. Uh, her as Sarah Connor is, like, perfect. This sort of, like... She is sort of, like, thrust into this awful horror movie without a chance to even consider why this is all happening. And it's so interesting to see how well she develops as well from Terminator 2 T2. And I think that development is all because of how good the uh, act, the character work in Terminator is as well. Like, it's believable that she goes from... The the character she's played in Terminator Two T Two. There's um, there's something that I just I cannot stand in I don't know movies with a, a crazy premise where someone comes back from the future or something, where they have to spend half the movie like trying to convince the person that they've gone back to see that they're telling the truth, um, and that just gets so frustrating and like really old because we know that it's the truth as the audience member. And it, it it definitely gets old after a while and also just like gets in the way of like the fun. And this obviously she's like, what the hell are you talking about? But after a while, she's just like, all right, sure. Like she well, she gets she's convinced and then they get to they get to have the rest of the great movie. Well, the you know? stakes are so high instantly. You know, so many movies, like you said, just have this like slow build, slow build, slow build. And there's like a turning point, like this moment, this life or death, this whatever that like makes them have to believe this revelation. But because the stakes are so high from the get go and he is just brutally murdering these women and also just terrorizing a town like it's you know she doesn't get the luxury of you know getting to question him too much like she might have her her reservations and her hesitations but at the end of the day she it's she's way better with him than on her own so she just kind of has to trust it and i i was actually also going to say that patrick because um yeah, you just get to jump into the fun so much sooner, so much, you know, jump to the action. And that's, you know, clearly this movie's sweet spot. So, and, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, they, the two of them didn't have great chemistry, but like, I think the action is like what sold them. You know, I don't think that their relationship, if you just stripped away all of the fun action and like craziness would hold up as well as it does with all the action and craziness. So I'm glad that that is the way that the movie went. So that's that's one thing I I think is interesting, especially to talk about with Terminator. Do you do you guys believe yeah that relationship between the two of those actors? 
I, so Patrick and I were actually just talking about this on um, Better Than Bad um, with The Prestige. I am, like, scarily good at, like, predicting things that are going to happen in movies. Um, I don't try, which makes me sound boastful. I actually, like, it's not something that I like to do because it, like, ruins it. But I always just, like, pick up on the most random stuff. And so for me... I hate to be that person, but it was just, like, very predictable that that was going to be her baby daddy. Um, and so I just kept, like, waiting for it to pan out. Um, so that, I feel like, took a- away from it a little bit. Um, and I don't know. I have an interesting um, backstory with this. <laughs> I was going to introduce this backstory, but I was like, I don't want Patrick to get mad at me. So please go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> So I think I first saw this when I was like eight years old, 10 years old. I don't know, like perfect little boy. Terminator is awesome age. Um, and that was like my mom's thought process when she put it on. Like, oh, um, obviously she forgot some parts of it. She was like, oh, this this movie um, is perfect for a nine-year-old boy. Cool. Bang, bang. Pew, pew. Exactly. Um, let me put it on. And we watched it. And then when the movie was over, I had to ask her like to explain the ending like i didn't <laughs> i didn't understand like why the last like why the epilogue was significant why is there a baby in her belly or like what <laughs> and and you know she she didn't exactly give me the full uh rundown at that exact moment but this clued him into the birds and the bees yeah it did it did yeah this was the beginning of my <laughs> what a like unbelievable story <laughs> I told you know Patrick what? one day when we have kids, like he has to sit down and watch a Terminator with him. Like we have to create this chaotic uh, tradition. Oh, that's that is like the most like I, I don't know if it's like it's kind of sweet, but at the same time, it's also quite twisted. It's, it's bizarre. It's all I don't know. It's way cooler than my story. Mine's pretty boring. Well, I mean, it's also it's it's like I said, I didn't get the full rundown, and it wasn't until I rewatched Terminator a couple years ago, and and I saw that scene again that I was like. Oh, like it all kind of clicked for me. Um, I guess it had been a long journey in my mind, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, this is like the beginning of my like, oh, that that one scene, that's how she has a baby now. <laughs> you know what? I think Terminate is such an interesting one because I actually remember when I was, I was, uh, I must have been in primary school. So, it, you know, like eight, nine, ten, something like that. And I remember someone that, my age had seen terminator and they were like oh it's so cool we're gonna like play pretend terminator in school and i was like i don't i asked my parents and they were like no you were never watching that film <laughs> not that not was me i was years. the kid that wanted to play terminator yeah <laughs> patrick doesn't have a mom he has a cool mom <laughs> oh that's it yeah see you had the cool mom um but it's kind of interesting because i feel like terminator has that sort of like uh aura about it where it, just the image of it is so uh, drilled into people's minds and being like, oh man, that is that is cool. Like, wow, I just want to see what's going on there. Yeah, and it it has also like gotten to the point where, I mean, gosh, what are there six or seven of these movies now? And there was a TV show. Like, it's it's it hasn't gone anywhere. You know, um, every couple of years they make another movie and and it kind of sort of revives. People go out and they rewatch the first one, which makes me very happy. Um, and then they see the new one, which probably inevitably stinks, but like, yeah, it's, it's sort of just become one of those like cultural, um, like it's just never going to go away kind of deals. 
Yeah, and we, we see that every so often. I feel like, yeah, Terminator is like the best example of it, of they just can't figure out how to do the formula again. Uh, I, right. I will argue the, the Terminator TV series, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, was actually quite good. I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, it had um, Lena Headey in it. I think she was playing Sarah Connor in it. Uh, I've been like great. looking for a recommendation. Like I haven't been able to convince myself to watch it um, because some of the new ones have been so bad. Um, but yeah, if, if you like it, I might have to check it out. I, I would argue it's probably the best version of what you can do with a Terminator film post T2, really. All right. Interesting. Because well, the problem is, is that everything post T2 has like tried to repeat itself again and they haven't tried to do anything fresh. And you know what's it's made me think with what they did this year with Prey for the Predator franchise. Hey, look, you got a whole other time travel franchise here that could just go to any time period. Right. And they go right. further for that to kill like a Sarah Connor ancestor. Yeah, there it doesn't go. have that's to be like all the same story. That's such a great point. We, and that's such a why great Why we always go for Sarah Connor? Go for Sarah Connor's parents. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good idea. Yeah, like I'm totally with you. Like um Prey's such a good example like it could literally happen anywhere um but yeah they just keep rehashing the same story that they already got right i would say the first time <laughs> many people would say the second time um yeah that's that's wow i never thought about it like that but you're totally right i unfortunately have not seen t2 so that's why I'm kind of taking the back burner to this conversation. We anticipated watching it together well, I, for this movie, but I decided not to show it to her because I didn't want her to get confused. Well, not that. I was going to be nicer about it. I wanted you to think of this as its own standalone thing. And so many people think of it like we're talking about as a franchise or yeah. as, you know, a. Uh, the, the sequel's better kind of deal. Yeah, you know? there aren't many, I feel like, people who have not seen The Terminator. I'm in a, a very small group. So it is cool to, like, and I will say, like, I am, Patrick is being kind and friendly, but I am horrible with, like, getting things mixed up, especially if it's something I'm not incredibly familiar with. I just have, like, you know, we watch so many things for so many things, and I just will, like, it will just get jumbled in my brain. So, um, but yeah, this is making me want to watch it now. So I think it's something that we're going to have to visit. She also, and I'm going to be very, uh, I'm going to dance around this here because she's the only person on the planet that doesn't know about the role reversal in the second movie. Ooh, you know yeah. what? I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. I'll have to DM you. I know. Um, and so, like, I wanted, I like, I purposefully have like not been talking about it um, because I want. I think even they even gave it away, like in the original marketing. Like it was not, it's, it was not a twist for anybody, right? Um, but it will be for me. It will be for her. So that's awesome. Oh, you know what? That is so exciting. I <laughs> I constantly have to talk about this moment from T2 um, because, because it's always comes up and it's the fact that that marketing was so bad for the film in that it spoiled immediately for It could be anyone. like the greatest twist in the history of cinema yeah. and they instead decided to like build their entire marketing campaign around it which I so like I understand you want to sell tickets um, but Would people have just gone and seen it anyways because the Terminator was successful? Like, Yeah because Terminator is awesome yeah probably <laughs> When we finished the first one, I was like, do you know anything about T2? And she was like, Arnold's in it, right? And I was like, okay, don't look anything up, please. <laughs> I want to 
sort of discussed as well like what other sort of big moments from the film did you like get really drawn into obviously obviously patrick you've seen it a lot of times I, i'm yeah. guessing so there must be always moments that you're like i can't wait to revisit this again um gosh the whole thing um i like all the stuff in the police station i think that's really fun i like when um when kyle's just yelling at them about all of the um like he's trying to convince like the interrogation. them. Yeah, the interrogation. Thank you. And um, you you noticed that great line that was like, uh, "I can make millions off of this guy. I never want him to stop talking." Yeah. Or whatever it is. Um, I'm sure I totally screwed it up, but that was really funny. But then when Arnold comes in and just wipes the place out, and of course it's got the iconic line. Um, yeah, that that's a great moment. I this is so like I don't know. I don't know, fashionista of me. I loved the like clothing in the film, <laughs> and I loved when um you know Arnold and gosh, what's the other guy's name? The actor who plays him. I'm sorry, Mike Michael Bean. Michael Bean, thank you. I don't know why I was thinking Connor. I was thinking Sarah Connor. I don't know why. But when Arnold and Michael are like finding clothes and stuff, so I don't know. And something about that is so funny to me. I also just like love the clothes that they pick. <laughs> like it's just like now become so iconic. Um, and then I also really liked, I, I really liked the epilogue. I don't know. Like even though I predicted it and stuff, it is like cool to see like the photograph happen and to see like a new Sarah Connor that now is like, ready to take this on you know like what when we if we think about this like logistically for a second and like like let's pretend this isn't sci-fi how insane would it be for someone to come to you and be like your unborn child that you don't know the father to is going to like save the world basically Yeah, yeah lead the resistance and like how do you cope with that and so the fact that like like we said, she just jumped into it. She kind of had to trust Michael, you know, Bean's character. But like, you know, she and we have all these great moments because of that. But then to see her in the epilogue, like riding in her cool ass Jeep, wearing her cool ass outfit, getting a cool ass Polaroid taken of her that matches the one that we've seen the whole film. Like, it's just badass. Like, I don't know what to say other than it's just so cool. You're really going to like the sequel. <laughs> OK, cool. Great. <laughs> Um, I do want to point out one uh, one of my favorite scenes is the introduction of Arnold uh, through through the time tra- travel. How are we feeling about the time travel anyway? Are we thinking it's like legitimate? Hey, look, that makes sense, or is it like let's just hold on and hope it makes sense by the end? You know, like that's such an interesting. What was whichever Avengers it was that broke the box office? Um, Endgame. Endgame. Thank you. Um, there's this moment in Endgame where they go like, time travel doesn't make sense in any movie. If you've seen a movie and you've seen time travel, that's not how it works. And then they also then they go on to explain their equally stupid explanation <laughs> of how time travel works. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and changes absolutely nothing about like. Um, I, I, like Is that the movie that I've seen? Yes. <laughs> I have very iconically only seen like five Marvel movies ever. One of them it's like Iron Man three. Black Panther, the Benedict Cumberbatch one that just came out, <laughs> Endgame, and what else have I seen? That's like it. That's like oh, I, Spider-Man, oh, and no Spider-Man No Way Home. I've like <laughs> only seen sequels to the Marvel franchise, and I just I don't know something about that is so funny to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like they ever since I've seen that movie, like I I don't think about it too much. Um, like uh, 
if you think about you the, will ruin movies for yourself. Yeah, if you think about the Bill and Ted time travel for more than like ten seconds, your brain will explode and it'll completely ruin the point. But of if Bill you and don't Ted. think about it, you're gonna go, "Damn, this movie rocks!" <laughs> exactly, and that's what I do with Terminator. <laughs> I think it really depends on how much they try to explain it to you. That's true. Because a lot of fil- a lot of films will just be like, "Hey, we travel through time. This is how it works. Let's not talk about it anymore." the more ambiguous they are with it the better like because then at least the holes could be filled in correctly by someone you just not them you know like i feel like if they spend all this you know exposition just like deeply explaining the quantum physics and whatever it's like you are shooting yourself in the foot yeah like it just pulls up so many other issues uh we what i wanted to mention was that i love uh arnold's introduction i think it's very i think it's like iconic beyond belief um him just showing up butt naked <laughs> in this, in this it's street. like one of the alternate posters is like him yeah. in that like crouch yeah just that, hanging that, like there. iconography it's, like you, am i wrong do you even see the shadow of of his oh absolutely you okay do. right i was like or did i make that up no we watched nah. it we watched we made sure to watch it in 4k so you can yes. see his dingling yes. yeah james cameron has the habit of like he you know if something's hanging there he won't hide it listen um i re- like i said i respect him as a filmmaker good for him i will not say anything about it <laughs> Um, but I love his inter- in- interaction with uh, the punks, which includes a uh, yes. which includes Bill Paxton. His baby Bill Paxton, like <laughs> acting I, his ass no. off for ten seconds. Anytime Bill Paxton appears in anything, I am happy, and this is like one of my favorite t- moments because it's it's just so random. Yeah, he, he it's definitely like this like weird Easter egg in the movie. Like I feel like he could almost be like a trivia question or something. Well, yeah, that's the one that always comes up, which is Bill Paxton's one of the only people to have been killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator. Oh, right. That's right. I've heard that before. <laughs> that's right. So it, that's, a, that's a pretty impressive that's record. It's the trifecta. Up, it's the triple yeah. crown. That's it. Yeah. Like, I don't think many people can claim that. So uh, good for him. I, I'm, I'm always impressed. Um, so, yeah, is there any other moments that you want to bring up? I love the nightclub. Yes. Mm. Tech noir. Uh, like, I, that whole sequence, like, the slow motion, she meets Kyle for the first time. Um, I love when they're, she's like, I'm at four, yeah. 1411 blah, blah, blah Avenue. And they're like, oh, I know that nightclub. I was, no, <laughs> I was, cops. well, that. I was, you know... <laughs> There are some movies, you know, there's obviously the trope, you know, the dumb blonde gets killed first, gives up information they shouldn't too easily, they trip and fall, like there is this trope that exists um, of people just volunteering information or doing something that ends in them getting killed. And there's something so earnest about Sarah's mistake in, like, she does not know that he's intercepting the call. Like, she's trying to save her life. She's not doing something stupid. She is doing something that she thinks can save her and i think there's just something so like i said like earnest about like that attempt on her end that it doesn't come across tropey it just comes across like gut-wrenching of just like oh no like this poor girl like you know like you know what's gonna happen next basically um so yeah i also really love that scene and also like the added like complete stress of michael bean just like loki stalking her and being like i literally don't know what to think right now i'm scared for my life yeah, that that is a like one of those moments. I think the slow motion you mentioned is <laughs> really good. It's I'm not a huge fan of using slow motion, but 
that is one of the ways to do it is for that just that extra tension building yeah it's very effective here yeah for sure awesome um i think we've covered like a lot of the a lot of the film there's it, this is the thing it's actually a very quick film i didn't realize quite how quick it flies by um and i don't know if that's because i've watched t2 quite recently as well and that is a bit longer um but yeah terminator just speeds by it's non-stop it's also like it helps that it's like this movie's like a greatest hits albums of awesome scenes mm. you know like there really is no dud there really isn't much filler i mean there's like a couple things that you could argue for being like a little too extended um but otherwise it's just like banger after banger after yeah. banger they come they blow up they kick ass and it's over yeah, like it's exactly. moves pretty quickly exactly I mean, look, I won't argue ever with having action films like that. That's kind of what I dream of, having more modern ones like that. Two long movies. There's like, and that's one of my things with T2, is there's a lot of like deliberation. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of, uh, you know, laying down the blueprint of how the rest of the movie is going to go. And this is just like not like this at all. It's just like two guys who can save her first or kill her first, you know, the end. Um, and uh, and I think that that's just really effective. And a part of that's probably one of those budgetary things again. They didn't have time to mess around. Yeah, maybe more films should have smaller budgets. Yeah. But specifically a time crunch bug budget. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, all of their cameras just only have so much space on them or film. Like, we just really, I swear to God, the movies nowadays just need to get, like, 45 minutes. You're excited for Avatar the way of water? No, well, at least I don't know. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, even great films are not subject to it. Like Jaws last night. Jaws kicks ass. Jaws is so good. I was like on the edge of my seat, literally. And that last hour, I it's mean way it, too long. it's way too long. You know, <laughs> they spend way too much time on the boat. I'd rather have less time on the boat and then some sort of resolution at the end, seeing what life is like, you know, on Amity after that. So like even great films fall victim to that. I'm not saying that they don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, ugh, I pacing. hate a movie that's too Very long. Very effective pacing. Yeah. I think that's so so interesting to think about as well. Like we, we've we been talking about like Avatar and comparison to Terminator. Avatar's a long movie and there is a lot of like extra sort of like padding on it. But I think it is because just because Cameron's taking these big swings to be like, hey, look, I'm creating this whole other world. You're kind of going to have to sit around and enjoy it for a bit because I've spent so much time on it. But I do feel like Avatar, like, at least can get away with that in the sense of, like, there is so much to see. It's, like, very contemplative about, like, what, what's going on. Like, don't get me wrong. I am, like, a huge Wes Anderson stan. Um, so I'm not going to say a bad thing about Wes Anderson's movie movies but if you were a person patrick who um isn't a huge wes anderson fan at least when you watch a movie that is like visually magnificent you have something to look at if you're not like uber invested in what's going on on screen you know avatar is one of those movies maybe you zone out when you know they're doing something that doesn't really matter to the plot or whatever but you have so much to look at and take in that like i at least appreciate that you know, there was nothing for me to watch on Jaws other than, you know, the water around them and the boat. Like, you know, there's you you can't do much there. So I, I, I just, yeah, I appreciate the commitment there. And there's always something to see. And yeah, I think I think that's uh, something that's going to be something to look forward to for the new one as well, at least in terms of you getting back into that world again. There's going to be a lot of visual interest 
especially with this underwater they're doing a lot of underwater uh shooting which is crazy to me like kate winslet's holding her breath for seven minutes that's mental i think there's also like a like uh all right cameron put your money where your mouth is kind of deal you know like not that i'm doubting him i'm definitely not but um they pushed this movie off like seven times because he was like uh it 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 literally could never be ready with the technology that we have and now it's like all right well you had it so i'm i gotta see it you know i gotta see like why you needed to wait um i'm really excited to like see that justification i think it'll yeah. be fun is there any final thoughts from you guys I don't think so. I I really enjoyed watching Terminator. I'm, like I said, glad that it's something that I've checked off my, like, film must-see list. Um, And, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I'm really excited to watch T2 now. It sounds like, from what you guys are saying, I'm really going to like it. So that's really exciting. Um, And, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for having us on. Um, I have one more thing I want to add, which is Universal Studios in Hollywood used to have a Terminator 2, like, uh, half show, half experience, 3D slash live action thing. That was so awesome. And it was the best part of Universal Studios. And now it's like the Minion ride or something stupid. And so I, something equally as awesome. And so I just, I just, <laughs> I just want to say rest in peace to the T2 show at Universal Studios because that was a banger. Uh, I'll say the same for T2 at Florida, which got replaced with the Bourne's Stunt-tacular. Oh, Um, God. (laughs) But which, to be fair, I've seen the the Bourne one, and it's pretty good as well. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Maybe it's not the worst loss. It's certainly not a Minions-level downgrade. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Have you seen the new Minions movie? Because that shit is good. That shit is objectively good. Did you like it? Uh... And if you say no, you're lying on me right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that movie I, is like, good. <laughs> I watched the whole movie and it was the trailer. <laughs> it was the trailer. Okay, like, okay. Maybe it's because of the, look, I think it's because of COVID delays that we ended up with like four minions trailers. Yeah. At which point I could piece all the the, tra- the trailers together and have the whole movie. I'm um, I'm not saying that I am a minions apologist. I'm just saying that listen, I saw Minions when it first came out. What is this one called? That just came out. The rise of rise of the rise of Gru. How could you forget? Okay, Gru I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If Mercury is in retrograde, Gru is rising. Lot happening these days. Um, Gru, he rose. He rose <laughs> to the occasion. Like, what can I say? Steve Carell kills it as Baby Gru. Uh, the minions are so funny. I love the way they talk. I like. <laughs> I I liked it way more than I should have. <laughs> I, I won't lie, I do enjoy Minions films and Despicable Me series. I think they're actually a lot better than people give them credit for. Yeah, I think that they are like, it's funny because I used to teach kindergarten and I think about like actually showing those movies to a kindergartner and thinking to myself like that is like brain rot level, like there's just literally no substance there. But watching them as a, an adult where my brain is fully formed, <laughs> it, I mean three months from now it'll be fully formed when I turn 25, um, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, cool. It's just a cool movie. <laughs> I don't know what kids have to take away with it, but I had plenty. Okay, the point is the T2 thing at Universal <laughs> Studios was awesome, <laughs> and it got replaced by it. I double-checked. It was Despicable Me, Minions, Mayhem. All right, and it just ain't the same. Fair yeah, enough. It's a, it's a whole different experience, you know? Uh, so, yeah, rest in peace, T2 at Universal all around. <laughs> but I welcome the rise of Gru worldwide. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome uh yeah thank you guys for coming on and uh talking terminator thank you it's kind of fun uh, looking back and comparing like terminator to avatar like it's been a long journey for cameron yes that was like i i like that you've been going back and you've been doing these uh retrospective episodes and so i'm uh happy that we could be a part of one uh so yes where can people find you guys um so you can find uh our shows uh mainly on twitter at Vonathon on Twitter. That's the Vince Vonathon without the Vince. Um, also, our other show, Y2 Kids, is at Y2 Kids Pod. Um, and uh, you can also find our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. Uh, we have our, our podcast there, our columns there, all that kind of fun all stuff. All our socials expanded from Twitter. Yeah, everything you want. Uh, really, that's the main hub. You go to the website, and you can uh, find it all there. Yeah. Amazing. You can find me uh, personally online. You can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone. And then you can find me on Twitter at Mailer Chalone. Yeah, I'm Patrick J. Regal, everywhere you find people online. Uh, But yeah, go to the website. That's where all the the stuff is. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a great day. Goodbye. 